Hey guys, Britt Klein here with another episode of the Pop Podcast. Every week, Rian Roussos and I bring you a conversation to help improve your points of performance when it comes to training. This week, why you need to stop end goaling. We share our tips on falling in love with the process, not just the end results. We also get a little sidetracked chatting about everything from Canadian supermarkets, Miles Teller, and why everyone's obsessed with Natalie Portman's arms. Welcome to another episode, episode three. I know, it's like the podium. <laughs> One, two and three. Let's hope we get beyond three, you know. Well, I, how nice has it been, all the feedback that we've been getting from, you know, where you are and where I am. Everyone, you're all being so nice to us, so we're going to keep going. I know. I was like, had a couple of guys at the gym, shout out to Phil and Al, um, those guys were really good. We were talking about it on Tuesday night and they they were, yeah, it was, it was great. We were talking about potentially maybe we might get them on the podcast one day. So, you know, keep playing your cards right. Oh, I have so many good gym memories with Al. Um, one of them being uh, an open workout we did together and it was me, Jordan and Al next to each other. And someone took a video and for like the first round we were synchro mm-hmm. and then um, – the next round we weren't and then it kind of like changed after that <laughs> but he was like I thought you know I thought I was going to keep up with the girls shout out to <laughs> Al you know maybe next time maybe next time but nah, such good blokes that's the thing I miss so many people in Australia I've met so many great people here but you know all those people who you see on a regular basis mm. yeah it'd just be good to get back and and see them all again and good to know oh. they're still going strong Everyone's still going strong. Nothing has changed. So you're going to come back and be like, oh, it's exactly the same. Yeah. Well, actually, Wait. it's funny. Yeah. One thing has changed. The gym. The gym has changed. Yeah, it's totally at a new new location. Um, but I was going to say, it was funny. I got back from um, Canada this week and it's I've been here for six months now. And I won't say it feels like home, but it feels feels like, you know, this is where my routine is now. So it's been mm. so nice to just kind of like get back into uh, – back into my routine and I was talking to Luke my husband and he said oh wouldn't you just love to go home to Brisbane now and I'm like oh you know what I I could do another six months here like this definitely feels like home but man it's so good to just be back into a routine and like back in the gym where I know where everything is and be able to train a bit like normal sleep like normal (laughs) eat my normal foods we just did the food shopping today actually and I'm like it's funny how Canada and America aren't like they're landlocked, they're pretty much the same country, but it is a different country. And like supermarkets are so different, like what you can get How? in the supermarkets. And well, everything in Canada, because obviously English and French are their languages, say you buy a bag of oats, on one side it's in French and one side it's in English. And so if you go down the aisle and it's on the French side, you're like, what's that? <laughs> like, but obviously, like you just look at the pictures and you're like, I think these are oats, but are they quick or slow? Like, which should I buy? Yeah. But yeah, it's just so nice to go from as well being in a camper van and like having to cook dinner with this like little burner. Even last night, um, we were watching some, t- we've just been like vegging out because Luke's got a couple more days of holidays. And so vegging out on the TV and then he just got up to make dinner and he turns around out of the kitchen and was like, this is so easy <laughs> like, as opposed to you know like having to we like none our toast we couldn't toast it so we just had to have normal bread and like we'd make <sighs> eggs every morning 
but like to cook the eggs you've got to you know get everything out of the back of the car it's just a nightmare so um trying to eat well on holidays is always hard um but but we we you know did our best oh, the moral of that story is i'm glad to be home <laughs> Yeah, it's funny that you say that because me and Matt voluntarily go camping all of the time and do that. <laughs> like, it's you're like, it's so hard. hard but like, I, I mean, to be fair, I have to give Matt, Matt credit. He does all of the cooking, so I don't really have to worry about that stress. But he loves it. He loves going camping and cooking a little bit. Oh. I, just, I just sit there waiting for my food. <laughs> but yeah, the cooking ain't so bad. It's the cleaning up. If you don't oh, have like a... A big bucket to wash everything in. That oh. is fucking annoying. The best. So one story from being away. But on the last night, so I admitted this to you, Riz, and I debated whether I'd admit it to our listeners, but I will. <laughs> we did a camper van the whole time. About halfway through, we're like, <laughs> we were like, let's go to a hotel. So about halfway through, we slept in a hotel and we felt like that gave us a bit of gusto to get through a few more days. And then on the, we decided the last two nights we're going to spend in a hotel. So we'd already booked that. But the third last night, we were like, should we, shouldn't we, should we, shouldn't we? <laughs> and we decided, no, we we're going to, you know, it's all part of the experience. So we pulled up to the campsite and it starts to pour, like oh, pouring with rain. Oh, you didn't tell me the rain. No. So we open up the back and we're like both in our rain jackets making dinner. And then they didn't have like wash basins. So we're going to have to do the washing up. And the two of us just sat in silence as we cooked, ate, and then went straight to bed at like 7.30 because like, we just have to lay in the, in the van and Luke rolls over to me and he goes, we should have stayed in a hotel. <laughs> <laughs> but we made it. We made it. And it was a great experience. Um, so, yeah, just glad to be home to my, to my normal bed. And I think the fact yeah. it shows how much of a toll that it has on your body. Luke went to the chiropractor, the chiropractor, the chiropractor, as soon as we got back and they were both laughing because the crack was so loud. Like the adjustment was incredibly loud. And then that night he slept for like 11 hours, which is oh. he's not a good sleeper. And I decided, I was like, I'm just going to get up and leave him there. So I even left the house and I came back and he was still asleep. And I'm like, oh he my goodness. obviously needed that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. What about you? What's, what's changed mm. in your world? <laughs> um, honestly, not much. I think everything's been I'm back to normal training and back to just like normal life in the gym and – I think I've like emotionally processed my, <laughs> my um, you know, emotions about the weightlifting comp and I, you know, had a bit of an injury, like my back was playing up, but, you know, it's all good now. So just been working and training. There's really not much going on over here. Although I do, I was talking, you know, to you about this before. I have this like desperate urge to go and see Top Gun because... Do it. Because of Miles Teller in (laughs) this movie. You finish the beach scene, you then celebrate. I thought I was going to want like steak and french fries. I said, no, all I wanted was like sugar. I remember passing out with like three different cakes in my hand. (laughs) Yeah, and then they call you a couple weeks later and they're like, we got to reshoot that. You're like, oh my God, so mad. It's just so rude. He just looks so phenomenal and he's such a good actor. So I think like I've like been thinking about this for like four days now. <laughs> oh, mate. it up in my head. <laughs> well, it's Saturday there. You've got two days to report back. And if on the ep- next episode you haven't seen it. So I thought I was not a Top Gun fan. And like coming from – so Luke is a pilot in the Air Force. So that's kind of his world. 
And mm. I love my husband, but I've never been like, oh my goodness, I love your job. And like, we don't really talk about work um, because a lot of our lives are consumed by work. The, both yeah. of us have never been much talking about work. Anyway, so long story short, so many people say to me, oh, I guess you watch, like, love Top Gun. I was like, never seen it, no interest in it. But then when I got here, I didn't realize it's, it's an institution in America. Like everyone's seen mm. the first one. And so everyone at the gym and people were talking to me, they're like, have you not seen Top Gun? And I was like, oh my gosh, I'll just watch it. So I watched the first one and I'm like, oh, cool. Like it's a bit of a cult 80s film, whatever. Like I didn't love it, but I watched it. And um, Luke really wanted to go and see the second one. So I thought, oh, I'll go and see it. It is so good. It is such a good movie. And I don't know why. I, don't, I almost want to go and see it again to be like, <laughs> what was so good I mean, about with it? With Miles Teller in it, I'll see it all of the time. I'll see it all of the times that you can see it, I'll see it. Oh, he's such a babe. Like, I don't want to, you know, you know, we're here to talk about training and stuff. But, yeah. like, for a second, let's just appreciate the aesthetics of that one scene on the beach in – I think it was San Diego or Santa Monica that they filmed it. It's, yeah, yeah. just for that scene, go and see it. But speaking of movies, Iconic. so I love going to the movies here. They're like 10 bucks. They, it's the best experience. And so I reckon in the, in the six months we've been here, Luke and I were saying in the eight years we've been together, we've seen more movies in this six months than in our whole time together, which he loves because he's really good at chilling out and watching a movie. Whereas if I watch a movie at home, I've got my laptop out and doing a thousand things, I'll go get the washing mm. out. So at least the movies you could go and relax. And I actually think it's a really good thing to do like after training or something because you're forced to sit down and just veg out. Um, yeah. But there's so many good movies out at the moment. And I think we're going to go and see Thor this weekend only because – I want to check out Natalie Portman. Everyone on social media is going on about her freaking arms. Have arms, you seen it? I know. Yes. I'm and wondering, do you, is it, did she actually, does her arms actually look like that? Okay. So here we go. Rain Man Brittany, which because of my job as a journalist, anytime mm. that I like see something or I full on go Rain Man and do research. And so like I have l looked at interviews and I found this one article that was with her personal trainer yeah. and she actually trained for months for the role. And oh, yeah, I, I found this article. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah, here we go. Natalie did five sessions a week and did not miss one session for the whole time we trained. So pretty much sounds like you and me, Riz. <laughs> She's just getting paid for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, what I liked though, it talks about, oh yeah, so um, her coach said that the actor's early goals were to build arm and abdominal definition um, and judging by the photos it definitely worked um, well, we yeah. also worked on yeah she looks awesome we, we also worked on stability and agility for injury prevention um, but the bit I loved in the article was like Portman packed extra protein into her vegan diet to build and maintain muscles the amount of food was obviously way more than Natalie normally eats but it was essential for her to maintain this throughout the filming to keep the muscles she has developed thank goodness oh, that someone in bloody good. Hollywood is mm. recognizing that it takes hard work and a lot of food yeah. to look like yeah. that <laughs> You have to eat. You have to eat. And that's what, because that's why I was like, I was a little bit skeptical because I, I feel like, you know, as far as being in that industry is concerned, people don't often abide by those rules or, you know, they don't, you know, feel like it's of importance to actually look like that. They'd rather just be like CGI'd, you know? Yeah. 
But, but well, and here's another thing. It said that she did the five days a week for ten months. I love yeah, to hear wow. that rather than like mm. a bloody twelve week program. Yeah. Well, her sessions. I feel like you you can't build that type of muscle. Like Natalie Portman was a very small framed person. You know, yeah. you know Brit circa two thousand fifteen. <laughs> um and. You know, think about how hard it's been for you to put on muscle. Just, you, yeah. can't put a, you can't put that type of muscle on in 12 weeks. So That actually is like a good segue into what we want to talk about today, mm. which is setting goals. Mm. Um, so I guess we, you know, we've talked about this a lot in the past personally, like before we started the podcast. But for you, Riz, as a coach and as an athlete, what do you think about goal setting and you know, how do you approach it in your training but also approach it with your clients? Do you think it's important? Um, I try not to get – I think the word like goal setting can sometimes um, set people up for failure. So it's more like what are some things that you would like to achieve along your journey because for me personally, like there's no end goal with training right there's no end goal with your health and fitness it doesn't stop once you reach a certain point or once you lift a certain weight it should be something that like we continuously do for the rest of our lives and the things along that journey that you want to achieve they just change you know and it might take you on a different path and it might move you in a different direction um so I have like this thing where it's like I don't believe in like new year's resolutions or anything like that because often what happens is we start this year with all this motivation and we feel amazing and we're ready, you know, to start fresh and we set this huge, massive goal and it's something that we've never done before and is often really hard and we have no habits, no structure, no discipline, no ability to actually do all of the things to follow through and get to that end goal and so my process is to always start small like what can you do today and you focus on that and then it's like you know I a lot of a lot of this has come from you know my favorite author in the entire world and if you haven't heard me talk about him before I don't know where you've been but James Clear like the way that he explains it and he breaks down developing habits and those habits working towards the things that you want to achieve um so yeah, for me, it's it's more about focusing on the things that you do every day that build you towards those kind of milestones more mm. than, you know, necessarily like this goal that is like people, te- like, you know, they focus on the end goal and it's there is no end goal. The end goal is to always train and to always get better and healthy and fit and stay strong and, you know. So, yeah, I try to get people to stop end goaling as much as possible and focus on that like whole process. Yeah, whole. that that book uh, by James Clear, Atomic Habits, was a game changer for me too. It was like you stack your habits mm. and you create good habits and that's ultimately – you create a process that you enjoy so that you're focused on the process and the goals just come. Like mm. when we started talking about – that we're going to talk about goals, I thought about my goals. And I'm actually a terrible goal setter in terms of like, you know – for example, you have a goal to hit, you know, 50 kilos on your snatch. But mm. I'm never a, one of those people who's like, okay, cool, that's the end goal. I, mm. I, there is no end goal. Like you said, it's to continue mm. training and whatnot. The day that I hit that, I like 
was on to the next thing. Like I don't, e- yeah. I don't even think I celebrate. Like there might be a little fist pump in the video, <laughs> but then I'm like, what's next, you know? Yeah. And I think yeah. that it's as a result of enjoying the process and that has been a process, in inverted commas, for me, I think over the past 18 months and I've really actually started enjoying the process. So that means that, you know, you have good days and you have bad days and when you're not focused on that end goal or that set weight, you're going to show up every day and, and continue moving towards towards that goal. Um, yeah. I think for me, like, it, like, there's a little quote by James Clear that I really love and it's, he goes, when you fall in love with the process rather than the product, you don't have to wait to give yourself permission to be happy. And so mm. something that I often see when it comes to clients and even, you know, yourself at times is it's like if – all we're worrying about is like I'll use my weightlifting competition and my bomb as a an example. It, if all I had been worried about was that competition and the fact that I didn't do what I wanted to do, I failed. I didn't meet my goal. I didn't hit my goal. That inability to kind of process that and be happy about the other things that I did really well that day can sometimes like completely throw you off the course. So instead of like feeling good and like ready to get back into the gym and can continue to work on the things that I want to, you know, get better at and improve, it can, you know, throw you off of that journey and make it harder to come back and harder to get into the gym because you can't actually be happy about the small things because you didn't get the big thing. And for me, like learning to enjoy the small things. Like I said, with that snatch, it was like, I didn't get the snatch, but the progress I made on near, uh, like almost getting it was like uh, being able to celebrate that and be happy about that keeps my motivation like high and keeps me wanting to go back into the gym and wanting to get better. And, you know, it's taken a long time to kind of develop the, the attitude, I guess, you know, towards failure and that is like, you know, missing the 91 kilo clean and jerk while it is hard and I hated it. <laughs> it's also, um, uh, you know, a driving factor for me to get back into the gym and get it because, you know, I know I can and I know I can do that. So I think like for most people, when when we forget to celebrate like those small little wins, like, you know, maybe you're... Um, Maybe, you you know, your box jumps felt easier. Maybe you could do mm. 20 instead of 30. Maybe you, you know, did a 12 and a half kilo dumbbell snatch instead of a 10. Or maybe you did five more burpees than you thought you were going to do in the workout. Like all of those little things. Maybe you, you did a push-up all the way to the ground and you didn't have to do them from your knees. Like all of those little things are things that you have to celebrate. And they're not they're not big goals. They're not like huge achievements, like lifetime achievements that you're going to look back and like revel in. But without those little things, you don't get to that end goal. You don't get to the end place. And being able to celebrate them along the way is actually what keeps that motivation high. I was just about to say that. Yeah. Like keeping, if you start to enjoy the process and celebrate those little wins, that's what Mm. keeps you coming back. Um, Mm. I was joking with my gymnastics coach yesterday. I was having like the shittiest day in terms of um, we've been talking about this lately. Like I've been trying to really finesse a lot of my skills. Um, so yeah, I can do them. Yeah, I can do them for reps, but I want them to look awesome. Um, mm. And I was just having a day where I felt like everything was going backwards. 
And at the end of the day, I went back to coach and I was like, I'm just going to try and kick up into a handstand. Freaking held it for 30 seconds, which is massive for me to do a freestanding handstand. And I'm like, that's what I took away from the day. I celebrated mm-hmm. that little win as opposed to, you know, I've got all these other goals to fix my bar muscle ups to make this look better. And so if I had looked at that day as a whole, it would have been like, I'm failing. But mm. I took away one thing there. I was like, this is this is going up in the process. And so I've started to do, um, for anyone who knows me, I'm my harshest critic. And I think you're the same, Riz. Like, you yeah. know, we'll be like, I'm not, this isn't, I'm here every day. Why aren't I achieving this? But I've tried to get into a habit and our friend Jordan is really good at this and reminding me of like the little wins from every session. So, mm. uh, for example, this morning I had this, you know, Metcon was fine, but I snatched so well. And the weights that I was putting on the barbell for a complex were weights that six months ago would be like on the upper echelon of my like lifting session. So it's about going, hey, that happened. That's what's going to keep me coming back tomorrow. And so that that, that kind of process of enjoying the process, if that Mm. makes sense. And James Clear is really big on that as well, finding the little wins that keep you coming back for more. Yeah, and also like how to give yourself little wins, how to put yourself in a position where you can actually achieve little wins that you go, yes, cool, that's great. I did that, tick. Yep, I did that, tick. You know, And then at the end of the day, you've ticked all these boxes and that brings you one step closer to that kind of end place where you want to be or you know that big milestone that you want to hit. Yeah, this is the quote that I was kind of, it's related to what we're saying. The purpose of setting goals is to win the game. The purpose of building systems is to continue playing the game. Yes. And that's that's not to, I was going to say, that's not to say that we don't have a, a focus when we're training. Like at the moment in this part of the season, my focus is to get, get stronger and to, so, so for example, that helps me kind of tailor my training so my focus at the moment is to to get stronger um to build volume in gymnastics so I'm not it helps me to build that system I'm not going for 5k runs every second day because that's not going to help me with the focus that I have at the moment but say for example as I get closer to a competition or I get closer to the open next year for example where you've got to be fit then I like shift my focus but I don't have an end goal I don't have an end goal to like you know, hit these weights on the bar and then it stops. It's yeah. like, what's my focus for the moment? I also have a client at the gym at the moment who's taking a bit of time off CrossFit because he wants to lose weight. And mm. once he, you know, kind of feels better about that, he's going to shift his focus again back to something else. And so when we talk about not having, like, stop end goaling, it doesn't mean you can't have a focus on your training at the moment or where you're at in life. Yeah, I think it's like... Get, when we say stop end goaling, it's like stop being like I have 12 weeks to get to this place and if I don't get to this place, I've failed. It's like that's not that's not what this whole fitness, health, strength, whatever you want to call it, journey is about because if you're focusing only on that, like I said, you're going to get to there. And what happens if, I don't know, what happens if someone passes away? What happens Mm. if your dog dies? What happens if you're in a car accident? Like those things are going to impede, you know, what happens if you get fired from work? That's not necessarily a big one, but it's like something that's going to cause stress in your life. And then for you to be putting all this emphasis on like trying to get to this end goal and like something has just come up, 
it starts to take away your own like self-worth and you start being like mm. I didn't do it I can't do it it's too hard it was like and it's like well no you have to you have to look at your life as a whole and then you have to structure it in a way that you can continually work towards things that you want to achieve and once you do achieve it there should be an evolution of that goal and you continue to work along through that and you have to take into consideration that things do happen in your life and they can throw you off and stuff like that but if you only focus on that end goal you're probably always going to end up disappointed if like even sometimes when you do achieve it you're like what now I haven't like I did it okay you know and that's what those 12 week challenges are often about like people go and do this 12 week challenge they lose all this weight and then they're like now what I can't eat 1200 calories for the rest of my life I want to die oh, amen. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it I think for me personally taking time frames off things is liberating and it also allows you just to enjoy that process for me the big one is after the open oh no was it after no just before the open I was like I want to fix my bar muscle ups and everyone mm. anyone who's ever in the past three years who's seen me bar muscle ups it's like KFC chicken wings all day and everyone was like <laughs> if you just stop doing them for a while and relearn the habit like you'll lose the chicken wing and everyone's like it'll take two months it'll take three months it's taken like seven of just yeah. like constant work but we're mm. finally getting there and it was a it was a process of moving countries and being yeah. like you know what this is going to happen you're not around the people who you know you want to compete with all the time let's fix this even if it takes the whole year while you're and I'm actually really enjoying it, like really enjoying the process now. And then it happened because I was yeah. like, when I was a yoga teacher, I learned this really cool saying, which is applicable to so many areas of life, not just training. It's like, don't be the monkey who is reaching for the banana in the jar. You're like trying so hard to get this banana out of the jar. The second that you take your hand out of the jar, you realize you live in a freaking banana tree and there are bananas <laughs> everywhere. I think that is so, so true. The day that you stop just focused on this one goal. And for me, again, wanting to fix this bar muscle up, it meant when I arrived here in LA, I was like, I'm going to get a coach. And I met, mm. you know, shout out to Chelsea. She's like, one of the reasons that I enjoy my time here so much. Once a week, we do a session together. But now we're doing like hand press to handstands, all this other stuff that I never I thought I wanted to do. And now yeah. I'm like, all these other things have become, uh, you know, quote unquote, a goal for me, which I didn't even yeah. know. And like becoming, fixing my bar muscle ups is now just part of the process. Yeah, I was about to say, that's one thing that I've noticed is that like you went in with the intention to fix your bar muscle up and now you're doing all this other cool shit, focusing on trying to develop other skills. And I think that's what ends up happening when you, you know, enjoy that process. You're like, oh, well, what else can I learn? You know, what else can I do? And you look at adding things in and learning those from, you know, the ground up as well. And again, my boy, James Clear, he's like doing it right is hard doing it over is harder and that's like one of my favorite favorite things and I try to like enforce into everyone I'm like yeah cool you can handstand walk with your legs fucking apart and in a scorpion <laughs> and your back looking broken that's a hundred percent you can do it and you'll probably get away with it for a really long time I'm like but if you just learn how to do it properly and you learn how to be in a good position and make 
instead of feeling like you're dying every single time you're doing a handstand walk, you actually feel like it's effortless and it feels exactly the same as walking on your feet. And trying to get people to understand that long term, it's like if you're focusing on the end goal of being able to handstand walk, for sure, that's what you're going to get. But if you focus on like actually developing the skill and thinking about being able to do it long term, then starting from that start point, doing it right is going to prevent you from then having to come back six, 12 months later when you're like, I can only handstand walk five meters. I can't get past that point and relearning everything all over again. And as adults, we're pretty fucked up. So the relearning part is really, really fucking hard. We have it's to- It's so much harder than learning it for oh, the first time. The, the amount of time where people are like, oh, you train kids, like, how does that go? And I'm like, it's the fucking best thing in the world because <laughs> guess what? They have no preconceived, like, um, pre, like ideas of like, preconceived, that's what I was looking for, um, notion <laughs> of like, what is right and what is wrong and or like any history with that type of movement and so i literally can create them from nothing and develop beautiful perfect movement patterns and they don't they don't know any different and so it is just like ingrained in them from that starting point and it's the most amazing thing to see because when they learn those patterns and they are able to perform something properly their abilities just skyrocket but the same is the same applies for adults. But we just have all these like preconceived ideas of like what we should be doing and things that we should be achieving, and it often gets in the way of that. Absolutely, and it, neurological patterning is so incredibly powerful. Once you are again going back to the bar muscle up. So yesterday, Chelsea and I were working together, and she's like, "Your catch is so high, you go over in one movement." But she's like, when she slowed down the video the left shoulder is still ever so slightly going before the right. Because mm. I reckon I've done 3,000 chicken wing reps. <laughs> and you're, I'm not even kidding you. And so now my the patterning of my brain has it's, – it's almost without me even thinking that's how I go over. And mm. so to try and retrain that. And so it's been an important lesson. You know, I use the bar muscle. It's kind of like a metaphor for everything in CrossFit. But it, it's – it's true because it's the only one where I cheated the system. Every mm. other one, I took the time to learn things properly and I learned a strict muscle up before I kicked. And, and those things then you can, like you said, if I was a child learning, I've learned, I've built the strong foundations. And when you yeah. build the strong foundations, that's when, you know, even when you do get tired, the only thing that you have to fall back on is a good foundation. So it's why the poor members at Inner Chamber who asked me to learn how to butterfly Inner Chambers of the gym that I teach at, uh, coach at. Um, I don't know what I teach. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, I some of them get frustrated that I want them to kip before I teach them to butterfly. And I'm like, because when your butterflies fatigue, you want to be able to kip. And when you're kipping fatigues, like you want to be able to do that last rep strict. Like if you've got the strength to do it, you you know, let's learn like that. And that's why I'm so grateful for people like yourself and Greg and Liam who at the time, um, I remember when I first met you and you were like, stop chicken winging. I was like, you just don't want me to succeed. <laughs> the truth is you did want me to succeed. And the time was, you knew that the time was yeah. going to pass anyway. So like spend the time doing it right. Yeah. 
and it's such an important lesson which I'm only learning now and I'm grateful that I'm learning it but three years into my CrossFit journey I wish I had learned it three years ago so hopefully us having this conversation and there's if there's just one person out there who's listening who's like oh light bulb goes off then that's a bloody win yeah I think it's funny because like I used to when I first started being a coach I used to have like a bit of an insecurity and you probably feel a similar thing being like like when you first started you're like I know what's right for this person but I know that me telling it to them is going to upset them or make them feel threatened or make them fit and now I do it and they're like was that good and I'm like no but you can do it better and I'll show you how it's like I I like look into their soul and I'm like we can do this just let me help you (laughs) (laughs) you know and I think that's like you we're focused if we're always focused on that end place it's just it, it takes away a lot of like the really good like joyful moments in training and I, I think, you know, there have probably been times in my life where I was, you know, just feeling super shit or something had happened and my training was terrible or, and I was just like close to not wanting to do it anymore. Like close to, like close to just wanting to like not train and just let it go and I don't know, just sit on a couch and watch TV all the time. And then I would do something and I would like try and learn a new skill like try and teach myself how to do something else or and all of a sudden like my obsessive compulsive need to like want to perfect anything I try and learn um just like would take over and I had like this reignited like passion of like wanting to train and wanting to do the thing and wanting to you know make it perfect and it just made my whole journey and my whole attitude towards training just like completely change so I feel like you know, when people are like, oh, what are you going to be doing, you know, when you're 50? This. This is what I'm going to be doing when I'm 50. It might not look the same as it does right now, but there's there's always something that you can be doing and, like, developing and mastering and moving towards, and there is no end goal. There is no end goal for me. For, for me in life, uh, I feel like the best example of the danger of end goaling um, is the probably last seven years of my career. So I always had this goal to be a reporter in a city newsroom. And so I spent from when I was like 16 to 28 working my butt off. Like I worked, missed Christmases, birthdays. I lived all around Australia trying to achieve this goal. And I loved my job until I didn't. Mm. And I had this goal And one morning my alarm went off to go and report for the Today Show, which, again, had been, like, what I thought was the be-all and end-all. Like, Brittany Klein, once you've done that, you've made it. Mm. And I'll never forget it. Just this one morning the alarm went off and I turned over to my husband, who at the time was my boyfriend, I just started crying. And I was like, is this it? Is this it? Like, is this, this... This sucks. Yeah. And I looked around and... I worked with some of the most incredible people. But by the same token, I looked around and I was like, around the newsroom, is this it? Mm. And I almost, I call it my mid-career crisis. I was 28. It was a struggle to leave that job because of um, legalities, like with contracts and things like that. And it was really difficult. And it was one of the hardest times in my life. But I honestly think one of the reasons why I had that struggle was I'd put so much emphasis on this goal of being, you know, Brittany Klein, Nine News. And mm. then when I got it, 
it was like, this is so unfulfilling. And it's the same way that, you know, you think once you get down to 60 kilos on the scales or, you know, what's that, 130-something pounds, mm. that you're going to feel different. Often you don't and you, you feel don't. worse. <laughs> yeah. Because like you said, you can't eat 1,200 calories for the rest of your life. So what next? And yeah. yet if you don't put that pressure on yourself and especially in a 12-week time frame or whatever. Um, and so now I've learned people are like, oh, you know, what's your goal in, you know, if we're talking just career? I'm like, I don't really have one. I'm just like mm. enjoying what I'm doing at the moment. And that's brought opportunities in the last five years when I've stopped like pursuing this end goal. Like before I left Australia, my bosses were brilliant enough to let me run the desk and anchor the bloody 7 p.m. news. Like I never yeah. thought that that would happen. But yeah. because I didn't have this goal, I was just focusing on every day doing the best job that I could do in that moment. And then these things started to happen. It's in the same with training. Like at the moment, I just show up every day and do what mm. Phil, the guy who does my programming, tells me. I just do it. I hit the stimulus. And then I go home and enjoy the rest of my life, you know. Yeah. And then all these things start to happen. And you're like, I didn't even know I could do this. Mm. But it's because... You know, I've got to focus to get stronger, to train hard, but I'm not putting these numbers or time frames or reps that I want to be able to do in that movement because one day you're going to be able to do it, the next you're not, and then the next day after that you'll probably be able to do double that. Like it just yeah. – there's no continuity, especially as females when our hormones are fluctuating and everything. Every day is going to be different. So, if again, if you have that end goal – and you're setting out in this set time frame to do it, that's just dangerous, not only for your physical health, but your mental health as well, I think. I didn't realise how passionate I was about this. <laughs> <laughs> but like you said, but like you just said then, like you got, you worked, you worked your absolute ass off to get to this job at, you know, Channel 9, and then you got there and you were like, oh my God, I've, I'm like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And it's because you made... And, like, don't get me wrong, like, people that have to go to the Olympics, there is, there's going to be an element of you're going to miss out on things, you're going to make all these sacrifices, you're going to, you know, be 100% laser-focused. That's what being an elite athlete is. But for most of us, you know, when we just have this, like, laser-focus on one thing, like you said, you got there, but you, you didn't experience the journey on getting there. It's like you got there and you're like, I don't even, I don't even know what happened. What did I? What have I been doing for the last however long? Or what are the things like I miss out on so much stuff, and I didn't appreciate it, and it didn't. I didn't get to celebrate it, and I didn't get to be happy in that moment because I was so stressed about trying to get to this end thing, oh. and it just like consumed you, right? It just like consumed at one stage everything. in my career, we lived like three streets away from Broad Beach, which for anyone listening in oh, America, true. Google. Broad Beach. It is the Gold Coast. It is like, you know, postcard Australia. Mm. We lived three streets back. And granted, I loved my job at the time. It was like the coolest newsroom, the best people to work with. But I was so, I was one step away from where I thought I wanted to be. And I didn't enjoy the six months there. Now I would kill to work back in that newsroom. It is. It was right? such a great place. I had the best boss, the mm. best colleagues. But I, the whole time I was just like, I just want to be one step ahead, one step ahead, one step ahead. Mm. And so even Luke and I laugh about that now, that whole six months while we lived there, we went to the beach twice. Now we drive an hour and a half to go to the beach, you know, and it's like you've just got to enjoy the moment. And I think 
setting goals, whether they're small or unrealistic, sometimes mm. it's just like, let's enjoy the process. Mm. And it's like, like yeah, and people, people go, well, what? So do I not set a goal? No, no, no. But try and take like, that's why I try not to use the word like goal setting or, you know, goal because I feel like it just triggers that whole process. And it's like, well, just have a milestone. Like what are some things that you would like to focus on on this journey you know you know you're like okay you want a 50 kilo snatch well what does that look like what is what is someone who achieves who, who can do a 50 kilo snatch what do they do what does that look like for them you know they practice every single day like when they warm up they do their warm up with the empty barbell they set certain intentions they focus on their movement patterns they do x y and z like focus on being that person and that 50 kilo snatch will come and then you'll move past it and you'll keep going towards the next thing and it's not going to feel like uh you know this thing that you don't celebrate you will you'll celebrate it when you get to that 50 kilo snatch but guess what all of those little things that you did becoming the person who can snatch 50 kilos is what's going to continue to take you past that 50 kilos and lift more and get better and you know whatever it is and that's that you know developing that really solid foundation like physically and technically and focusing on that will just like instead of achieving just one goal you're going to achieve a hundred a hundred goals yeah don't sell yourself short like if you had have asked me when I first started like what do you want to be out of snatch I would have been like 35 kilos would be awesome now Mm. you're like Oh, is that it in the workout? Because you didn't sell yourself short. You were like, yeah. I just want to be there. And still to this, like, I wanted to ask you, like, do you have a goal or like a, you know, a point What's where you're thing? like, I will. Yeah. Um, do you have a number or? <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I remember I made a joke once. I said to someone, I was like, if I can clean and jerk and a hundred kilos and a snatch 80 on the platform, I'll have children. <laughs> <laughs> I have a similar, well, not a similar goal. So both of our, we probably should, and hopefully they don't listen to this. Um, yeah. Both of our partners would love to have children right now. And we're both like probably at prime baby making age, but we're like, <laughs> oh, just not yet. Just not yet. And not my goal ready. is <laughs> I want to be able to compete on a team at a like semi-final in the CrossFit yeah. space. And I said yeah. to Luke, when I can do that, then I'll have a baby. Mm. But we both know that both of us, as soon as that happens, it's like, what's next? What's yeah. the next goal? And I think, you know, we've spent the last 40 minutes talking about how don't have a goal and we both have those kind of aspirations. But it's not like, oh, I want to make it there, compete, the same, and then I'm done. It's like, no, I yeah. want to be the calibre of athlete who can do that. And yeah. that's the, the kind of person who can the do difference. that, the calibre of athlete. Exactly. Or the calibre yeah. of athlete that can... Um, clean and jerk 100 kilos on the platform is someone who's put in place all these systems that, you know, after you do that in the competition, which I have no doubt you will do in the not too distant future. Um, I mean, you're not going to be 75 and having children, let's just say that. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no doubt that, like, that will just mean that you have solid systems in place to then go and pursue other goals. Yeah. Um, and... I think it's sad as well when you see people in my fitness journey as well. I've seen people come and go and most of the people that go are the ones that came with the goal of like, you know, I just want to lose weight and I don't know whatever happened to them. They lost the weight and maybe they kept it off and they're living a happy life somewhere else. But the people who come in here just, yeah. It's often not the case though. 
<laughs> Should we like, stalk some I, of them on Instagram? I know. <laughs> no. I, I, but, I mean, you know, in saying that, like, uh, as much as I have, like I said, I have milestones in my head. I had, like, the 100 kilos and the 80 kilos on the platform. They're milestones. I, I, for me, I'm always – I know I'm going to want more as soon as I get to that point. And it's because of the way that I've developed myself over the last 13 years and the fact that training and health and fitness and strength, it's such a big part of, like, who I am. So as much as, yeah, like, I have – I have those things that I want to achieve in my head. It, like I said before, I'm, this is what I'm doing forever. I'm going to continue to be this person, whether I hit that goal or not. I'm always going to be, you know, striving to be the type of person that can do those types of things. So, And also not defining yourself by that. No. As well. If you held so tight onto that. Yeah. 80, like 100. That, Oh, I remember, this is such a silly story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Um, I, this is 2020. For some reason, I've always like been obsessed with the workout Isabel because I think when I first started out, I really couldn't lift much weight. And so these workouts that people were doing for reps, I was like, what the hell? Anyway, so one day I hit a, hit the weight, whatever it is, 95 pounds or 42 and a half kilos. And our friend, our mutual friend, Sam said, I reckon you can do Isabel now. And I was like, what? What do you mean? Anyway, it took me eight minutes. I squat snatched every rep. But I honestly thought I was going to feel like a different person after I did the workout. Spoiler, I did not. (laughs) (laughs) I was just the same person. And now I like, I even put up a post, I remember, and I look back at it often to laugh. Um, Like the workout's meant to take you two to three minutes, which like I feel like I could get a little bit closer to that now. But it took me like eight minutes. I squat snatched every single rep but it was like that had been that's a, a hard slog <laughs> I can't that's believe a hard it. slog I read but I remember being stoked that I didn't miss any but it was just yeah. like what the hell but I literally it's so silly as like a at the time a 29 year old thinking I'm gonna feel different after this happens after this process happens or even like yeah. I'd always wanted to do DTRX and the first time I did an RX I was like oh I still feel the same yeah, I'm still a little bit tighter, but like I'm the same person. <laughs> My traps hurt, but that's about it. Yeah. Oh, it. Okay, sorry, this is like a massive tangent. But that is the one workout where no matter how many times I do it, what weight I do it, like if you do it at double it, like 35 kilos or something. Yeah. My traps feel like I always get the worst Mate. headache afterwards. And it's the worst. Cleans. I oh love them as God. a movement, but my traps are like, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's honestly the worst workout for any kind of trap fatigue. I swear to oh. God, every single time I feel like I can't like turn my neck afterwards. You just feel like you've been stabbed in the traps. Yeah. Anyone who's given DT a go recently and hasn't felt that, can you DM us so we can like, yeah, ask can you, you tell all us what of your the questions? <laughs> But even I find any time I do hang power cleans, although with today in our workout we had uh, dumbbell hang power cleans and mm. Jordan Troy, it's the best description. She just calls them kipping bicep curls. Yeah, they definitely kipping are. bicep like, curls. <laughs> if you swing enough, it's like, oh, I got these. And it was typical like, you know, I'm the worst for how are you going to break these up? And I'm like, oh, 15 and 15 and 15. I always go like so ham at the start, like still to this day. Um, this I'll never forget this one time. Jordan said to me, how are you going to break up the double unders? And I was like, definitely 50 and 50 because it was like a workout where they had 100 a couple of times. And she's like, 
typical, I'm counting mine and it's like, you just watch British, like 51, 52, 52. Like, is she going to stop? <laughs> she just continues going. Oh, I'm Go on, so bad for <laughs> I do. And then I regret it like four minutes later. Um, but I don't, actually, this is one more tangent. When you see 20 reps, right? And mm. you're like, I could do the 20 unbroken, but I'm going to break it up mm. to, to be smarter in the end of the workout. Do you do 10 and 10? Or do you do 12 and 8? Depends on what follows. So, like, this is a good example. Again, Sam, one of our friends, we were talking about a workout where it was, like, 30 pull-ups, 30 chest bars, 30 bar muscle-ups. No break in between either of those. No other move. I know. I don't know. Who I, was programming that? that? God. No, I know. It wasn't at the gym. Someone <laughs> else had done it. And I, it Ooh. was – it was a uh, maybe I don't know I can't remember and it might not be exactly that I might be butchering it but all I knew is that the pull ups followed like by chest bars followed by bar muscle ups right so if I'm looking at a workout and I see okay I got thirty pull ups and then I've got to do thirty chest bars and then I've got to do thirty bar muscle ups even if that was separated by something I'm looking at what's coming after that so yeah. if I've got twenty reps and I've got twenty pull ups and then I'm gonna go do 20 thrusters or whatever obviously my arms and my shoulders are going to be so jacked and if I've got five rounds of that then I'm going to be super conservative if I've got two rounds of that well then I could probably hold on for 10 do you know what I mean I might go seven and eight you know or whatever like break it up like that seven eight five or whatever however you do that um but I I'm often looking at what follows it to determine how much I break up what I'm doing at the start yeah I just have this weird thing in my head like always do more in the first round and then you like do you know what I mean so you've got like 12 so no it's like if you can do you know that you want to break it up into two sets yeah I hate it when you're doing a partner one they're like let's do 10 and 10 no let's do 12 and 8 because that round of 12 you're like oh I'm nailing this and then you're like I just nailed that round I've only got eight to go or like I think one of my successes as an athlete is sometimes like the mental game. Like, mm. excuse my language, but like I'm a bit fucked in the head, like just a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> and so I play these nasty games with myself in terms of like, okay, so for example, today we had to do, have you ever done dual um, hang snatches? So it's like the devil's press without the burpee bit. Yeah. And I was like, I looked at the whole workout and I was like, that's going to be the hardest bit for me. It was like 30 reps in the middle. And so the first round I did, I did like 10 because I'm like, just do one more, just do one more and see if you can hold on, just see if you can hold on. And then the next round, this is literally how I talk to myself, come on, bitch, you just did 10, you can do five, you know, like that's how I'll talk, I'll be like, Rian wouldn't put it down, Rian wouldn't put it, so like, you know, just having, and I always, so my, our friend Jordan and I do the same programming and we'll often debrief after the workout even though we're like on the opposite side of the world and it's super helpful to be like oh that's how that person broke it up Mm. and she got this time or this is how I broke it up and that's you know and so you learn a lot from each other but so often I like I have this imaginary Jordan in my head and Jordan always says oh I wish I was imaginary Jordan she's so fit she's so fit (laughs) I know I've heard her say that Like, so I'm always like, come on, just do two more reps. Jordan's not putting the bar down. Jordan's not putting the bar down. And she always says to me, I did. I did. (laughs) But I think it's good to have those things in your head that pushes you. But sometimes it's like, you can take a break, babe. (laughs) 
<laughs> but I think that while that is like super important, it's also really important. And again, Jordan is very good at this, at being able to manage your rep scheme. So yeah. like being able to be strategic with the way that you break something down in order to manage fatigue and not get to that kind of point where you just absolutely – Jordan is awesome at that. Often I will do workouts and I – there might be, uh, you know, movements that I'm stronger at. But because Jordan's so in tune with, like, how she breaks reps down and what she's capable of doing, I'll be like <laughs> – I've got this. And then I'm like, oh no, I don't got this. And I'm like, and Jordan's like, bye. And I'm like, what the fuck just happened? So uh, it's as- so true. It, I was going to say every time, like sometimes we'll be asking each other, like, how should we break this up? And she'll say, I'm going to do fives. And I'm like, we should be at least doing like tens. But then I start the workout and I'm like, oh, if I had done fives, I would be well ahead of where I am right yeah. now because yeah. you're just resting for too long or you're just like yeah. – There's, I think there's a fine line because and then sometimes you can become too hung up on the rep scheme and so then yeah. you start to get stressed and you're resting for too long because you want like fives, 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 or, you know, something like that. Um, but that's what but I, I – think that's – sorry, go. I was going to say I'm trying to instill in the athletes that I coach the best tool that I can give them before I leave Australia – for Australia, sorry, leave America for Australia, is to know yourself as an athlete. And, mm. like, that's what I've learned from – I've been on the same program for the last two years, I think, and I'm so grateful to Phil who does our programming because part of the programming is learning about yourself as an athlete. And so yeah. learning that – like, we do all these EMOMs and all these funky things, which at the first um, – when I first started the program, I'm like, what's the point of all this? The point is, like, now we look at a workout and I'm like, oh, that's how I'm going to break it up. Oh, that's how I'm going to do it. That's, yeah. you know, that's what he wants me to do there. And, but, you know, that athlete, this is, this is what he wants the stimulus to be. So I'm going to have to scale it like this. And so yeah. I think the day when you realise, oh, like, again, there was a mayhem workout this week. I don't know whether you guys did it at Ducks, but they did it today um, at our gym. And it was like muscle-ups and thrusters. And um, we were t- another coach and I were talking about it. And he said to me, oh, I think you're the only girl at this gym who could do that. Um, like do it RX and I said yeah mm. but if I wanted to hit the stimulus time I would bring the barbell down by 10 pounds and yeah. he was like oh yeah good call I'm like yeah because then I know I could attack those muscle ups whereas if I do it that way I'm gonna get buried and mm. yeah I'll finish it but I'm not gonna finish it in the time cap and mm. that's you know it's about knowing what you want to achieve in your training and again when you start to do that it's like not looking at the end goal of like doing the workout RX it's like okay how am I gonna get better today so I'm going to yeah. hit the stimulus on that workout and that means for me, you know, maybe scaling it back to three muscle-ups instead of five or just scaling the weight back by five or ten pounds. Yeah, I don't get to write it up on the workout on the whiteboard as RX or like log it as mm. RX in my app. But the day that you realise that really doesn't matter is the day that you start to improve and the day that you start to be like, okay, cool, I'm getting better. And then in six mm. months you're like, how the hell am I cycling this weight? Oh, because I didn't try and do it six months ago when I wasn't ready. Well, that's exactly like one of the biggest things I say to people when we're coaching a class, they're like, oh, should I just cut the reps, but do the weight the same? No, no, no. The stimulus is to do 21, 15, nine. You do 21, 15, nine, and you reduce the weight to what you need to in order to be able to complete that workout, right? The, the weight or maybe the level of skill or whatever 
those things are all variables. If you look at the purpose of a workout, you have to find what it is that you need to focus on and then you adjust accordingly. So, you know, for some, it might be if it's an AMRAP, you know, for some people and they're like, let's say it's 10 toaster bar and 10 thrusters and they're like, I know I can do five toaster bar every single round. Should I do that? And I'm like, yes, because it's an AMRAP and you're going to accumulate those reps anyway. But if it was like five rounds of 10 toaster bar and, you know, 35 kilo thrusters and they're like, listen, uh, you know, I can't do 35 kilo thrusters for 10 reps. I'd be like, okay, we'll keep the reps because that's the, that's the number that we need to focus on and we've got to get the five rounds done and adjust the weight accordingly. So then, you know, eventually what will happen is this workout will come back around and when you're stronger, you can probably do that weight. But if you just go to that weight and then you cut the reps, you're not doing the same amount of work. So it, it's learning how to like adjust those things to actually, you know, tailor to where you are as far as your training is concerned. But when you're recommending it to other people, it's, it's a hard thing to do because that RX, it's like an end goal. People are like, oh, got to get that RX. And it's like, that's not the end goal. That's not the end goal. <laughs> you know, RX is always going to change, you know. So don't don't feel like just because you didn't hit it for this workout or something, you, you know, it's not like it's not the be all and end all. And isn't it funny? It's just something that we created. Like I know. RX, it's two little letters that we get so hung up on. <laughs> And, and it's like, it's completely subjective to what whoever wrote the program. Yeah. It's, it's wild. Like, and, yeah. and the funny thing is, like, often I'll, um, my mum and sister are like my favourite people in the entire world, but we're all so different. And they look at what we do and they're like, you're crazy. You're crazy. Mm. And to them, you know, all these things that I can do, it's just like, but why? Like, who cares? And that's sometimes really good to, to come back to as well. A lot of the people who will be listening here are people that we go to the gym with or people who know someone who knows someone or are just interested in CrossFit. It's like a lot of you are, are fitter and healthier and stronger than 99% of the population. Yeah. And sometimes it's about putting that in perspective too to be like, uh, you know, you and I both put so much pressure on ourselves when it comes to this kind of stuff and so do all of our friends. And so sometimes mm. it's nice to just be like, you're awesome. Oh, Chill yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. Relax. You're okay. Yeah. Ugh. I I know what will make us relax. Should we do our favorite time of the week? <laughs> Gym fails. <laughs> our DMs have been so fun. Like yeah. people have come out of the woodwork and again it's so nice for me to hear from people in Australia who haven't seen in a while and they just send this funny gym story and it makes me smile it's great i love it we're, we're gonna do two today because they kind of came as a double whammy um, they are a, a dual package a dual package partners michelle and charlie shout out to those two wonderful people i'll tell michelle's and then do, do or do you want to tell yeah, michelle's tell, and i'll tell charlie's no i can tell i can tell charlie's Okay, I'll take Michelle's. So I, I love Michelle too. We've partnered together a couple of times in a um, in partner workouts, and she's so fit. She pushes me, and we're both so competitive that I love working out with Michelle because we're like kind of a little bit competitive with each other. So it's kind of like you guys she's just my partner. egg each other on. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like I didn't know we could go that fast, but it's like okay, I don't want to be the one to say let's slow down. So I'm just gonna try <laughs> and keep up with her. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> like that um, competition we all did where it was seven minutes of the – was it seven minutes or how a lot of minutes of the bar – oh, no, the burpees over the boxes? Do you, huh? What, the ducks – there was – no. <laughs> like, what am I even talking about? Oh, the, um, uh, the, the burpee duo. box. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was like, and I, was like I, bla- I black that stuff out. That's, uh, oh, I do it that was and then terrible. it's gone. But I remember the person who was like on the mic was like, that's one minute down. I was like, oh, no, we have gone out way too hot, like way too hot. <laughs> but again, having someone there to push you, you know, I think we, helps. we did okay. Um, but Michelle's was, so she was doing, we talked about the workout Isabel. She was doing Grace, which is the same rep scheme, 30 reps of a clean and jerk. But she was doing it with dumbbells on one of the reps as she was lowering the dumbbell. It hit her in the face. And we know that you don't want to get a dumbbell to the face. Not great. But it was right below her right eye. And it was the day before Charlie, who is her fiancé's birthday dinner. So she had the biggest black eye. And to save Michelle, we're not going to post the picture, but she sent us the picture <laughs> as evidence. And I can tell you it is black. It is so bruised. And it she was said massive. For the birthday... oh, did you see it in real life? Yeah. No, I saw the picture. Oh, it looks so bad. And like Michelle, to paint a picture for anyone in America, she's a beautiful woman. She, I mean, she still looks good with a black eye, but yeah. it is massive. <laughs> it's yeah. so big. And so the poor thing had to use a million layers of concealer to cover up the bruise for Charlie's birthday dinner. Mm, so talk about goodness. like a crap thing happening, but also crap timing. Um, yeah, not But great. that is Michelle's gym fail. All right. So Charlie's... <laughs> I love Charlie, bless. So, so do I. <laughs> I almost feel bad for saying this story, bless Charlie. So Charlie was doing no, his first. I, <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like it's okay to tell the story because he's super fit now. Yes, so it's true. He's, he's very, amazing that's why, now. that's what makes it even funnier. So for anyone who doesn't know Charlie, wherever in the world you are, Charlie is a very good athlete now. Yeah. So that's and what makes his story even funnier. And it's also good to see like, this is where he started and now he's absolutely killing it. So, yeah. you know, progress. But um, Charlie went and did his first on-ramp session. And for anyone who doesn't know what like, an on-ramp session is, it's basically like an introduction to CrossFit. So often you'll do like three one-on-one training sessions with a coach just to kind of break down and go through all the different movements, everything that we do. Anyway, he went and did his first on-ramp session with Greg. He did 10 calories on each machine as a warm-up and almost fainted. So had to just watch Greg do the rest of the session while he was <laughs> sitting down. He was so – the 10 calories on each machine fucked him up so bad that he just basically got, like, taught like he was at school and Greg had to, like, <laughs> teach him the whole session while he sat down and, like, tried not to die. <laughs> the crazy – the thing about that story, though, is now I feel like Charlie's um, – like, he's very good at cardio like – um, you know, Cindy or something like that. You know, there's mm. lots of, lots of reps and just like cardio. body weight. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, bro, that's 30 calories. Like, I know. Fine. <laughs> but also like, imagine like being him now and being like, I, I have a similar story. It's like being him now and being like, oh my God, I died on 30 calories. And now I do that like every day times like a hundred. It was yeah. funny. Cause I remember being, when I was um like first started training, I couldn't do a wall walk I couldn't do one wall walk I was like 
And then I didn't like, again, I had like forgotten all about that. And then the wall walks came back up in the open whenever it was that they first came back up. And I was like, I remember when I could not do a single one of these. And I was yeah. like, whatever. But no, you lose sight of that so quickly. Yeah. You're like, yeah. now I think we had to do like 55 of them that first year. <sighs> and oh, then we had to do so many. It was ridiculous. Yeah. But this year it was worse with that like AMRAP where it was like three wall walks because three wall walks wasn't really enough to stop you. Neither was the dumbbell. And so it was just like Stopped you had to me. go all <laughs> – I feel like wall walks are like my secret power. I don't know why. I don't – like I'm just like – and then straight – like it's just a bit – Um, you know how some people are like a bit simple and robotic? Yeah. It's just like in, out, in, out. Like that's yeah. how I feel about a wall walk. <laughs> Anyway, just up and all down. So uh, we also wanted. To, oh yeah, there. Yeah. And please, please send them in. We've got a couple more that we'll save for next week, and um, they've just Play been more so of our good. Own. I know. I kind of want to. Uh, no, oh wait. We'll, we'll we'll save it. You know, I know. We've got years of podcasting ahead, so we need plenty of stories. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we did want to introduce another little segment, only because, especially in the last year or so we've both gotten into reading actually I have always been into reading but um with my job I read a lot so I'm like sometimes I don't want to read uh for fun but I've gotten back into it and I love it so much it's such a good way to relax yeah well I had um I am dyslexic so for me I didn't know that Mm, yes I just thought all your messages on Facebook were like (laughs) a typo (laughs) No, I'm just retarded. Um, no, I have dyslexia. And so I I know that, like, for me, I was um, – and it was only made so obvious maybe by becoming friends with you and Jordan who, like, type <laughs> and speak and, and especially Sam as well, like, who just, like, have beautiful vocabularies and type and talk, like, beautifully. I was just like, you know what, I – I don't not – I've never not enjoyed reading. I just find it very difficult. And so for me, I was just like, okay, just the only way to get better at it and the only way to improve your vocabulary and the way that you talk and you write is to read more. So I made a little goal to just read more and I've absolutely loved it. I've read more books this year than I've probably read in the last 10 years. Well, maybe if we – so we're going to make a book of the month uh, yeah. each month and that will give people time to read it. If you haven't already, I think Atomic Habits by James Clear should probably trump the after everything we've yeah after what we've spoken about today. Um, the books that I've been on a bit of a trashy binge lately. So I was like, Riz, why don't you tell us what you've been reading? I've been reading. So the last I wanted to get back when I moved here, I read a lot of self help books, and I was just like, my mind. I felt like I was doing so many things to try and like better my life, and I'm like, I just need to read stuff that, you know allows me to switch off and so this last month I've just been like trawling through Reese Witherspoon's book club and I read this one book that took me like not even a day (laughs) and it was about this girl who got proposed to at a Lakers game I'm not even going to go with the synopsis because no one here (laughs) needs to read it but DM me if you would like to know what the book was if you're looking for a trashy read because it was brilliant Yeah. I even turned up an hour late. Like I'm so rain man. I have like a, a routine and I'm at the gym at the same time every day. And I was an hour late one day and someone was like, where have you been? I was like reading this trashy novel. <laughs> so again, yeah, great book. But 
the book we're going to talk about is something that I've read and I don't want to say changed my life because that's a very big statement, but it made me think a lot about stuff. Mm. Um, it is The Resilience Project, Finding Happiness Through Gratitude, Empathy and Mindfulness by Hugh Van... Ooh, I don't know how to say that. I, I only know because I listened to his podcast. Shout out to Hugh Van Kleilenberg. Kleilenberg. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, I actually... He's got two books and... <laughs> I love this story. What, <laughs> this is something that I do on a regular basis. I read the second book first, um, not knowing what I was doing. And I really liked it. And I remember reading it being like, this is weird. I don't really understand what's going on. And I think I messaged <laughs> you and you were like... That's the second That's book. Just... And I was like, there's one before this? <laughs> because he does talk a lot about what he talks about in the first book. So I feel like yeah. the first book, simply put, it's so it's a book about he created this thing called The Resilience Project because he was a school teacher. He traveled, I think it was to India or Africa? India. India. Yeah. Um, India. And yeah. when he was over there, he saw all these people who had nothing and yet they were mm. so happy and so grateful for what they had in life. And yet he came from quite yep. an affluent family and there were so many. His um, sister had an, um, a debilitating eating disorder and suffered from a lot of anxiety. And he was like, how do we have everything and have so many issues? So we started this thing called The Resilience Project. And he yeah. travelled around to schools and then he wrote this book about it, uh, which is the book that Riz is now reading, number one. So start the first with, one. Yeah, start with the, <laughs> the first one, The Resilience Project. But um, yeah. are you, how, am I going to spoil anything if I talk about my takeaways? How far along in the book are you? I'm about halfway through. I don't think it will spoil it. I feel like I already know, though, because I've read the second book. Yeah. So oh, yeah. I don't feel like you're going to ruin anything. Yeah, you know what I mean? But so. I just felt like I, I, read my, I read the first one two years ago and I read the last one at mm. Christmas time, like this past Christmas time. And I just feel like every time – I've read it twice, both of them twice now – and it's like every time I read it, I'm spending less time on my phone. I'm comparing myself less to others, which is mm. such a, a thing that I really struggle with if I'm honest. Like even starting this podcast, I'm like, oh, you know, we're not as good as this podcast. Or we're not as good as these people and people will listen to what I say. And, you know, but reading that book and his really simple actionable steps make you be like, just life isn't that hard. And it's like when you simplify mm. it and celebrate the good things in life, that's, that's when you're happy. And like yeah. we're all searching for happiness in this world at the moment and like, you know, we spend so much time on social media and I, I, I often find it hard in my job as a reporter because like I'm on TV and things like that to, to find self-worth in myself as opposed to how other people tell me, I sh you know, like we receive a lot of criticism mm. and things like that and sometimes you can let it weigh on you. But I don't know. Like reading the book, it's just like, again, he tells these stories about these people. That My favourite story is, have you, oh, I hope I don't ruin it, but the little boy that he meets who's like, this, this, yeah, no, yeah. yeah. And so he had like absolutely nothing, like a broken playground or something. And he would point to things at Hugh and say, this, like the things that he was grateful for with the biggest smile on his face. And he would be like, why are you grateful for this? Like, this isn't that good. Mm. But it's all about context and being happy in, you know, with the small things. But I think, you know, that links pretty well into everything that we have spoken about 
today as well like being grateful for the things that you have and achieve in the moment and like appreciating them it actually makes you a better and like happier person in the long run you know and it keeps you in a good state of mind and it keeps you moving forward um and I think that's probably the one thing that I've taken away from this is it's like I mean I've over a really long period of time especially being a coach and when social media came out it was such a like you have to be on this you have to be doing all of these things and I felt like this immense like pressure to try and be uh, like a part of that and you know help build my career via that kind of platform and I used to like you can ask my husband Matt I used to all the time I used to get so frustrated because I was like all of these people are putting up this bullshit stuff and they're just half naked and like just getting all their junk out and it's like they're selling themselves in this way and it was just I felt so like I was constantly comparing what I could do like what I was doing and what I could do and you know to these people that had three million followers and here I am feeling like I'm actually trying to help people and I'm you're getting nothing and it was this like constant comparison and the second I, I, I heard um, his, his name's Co- uh, his handle is Coach Eugene and I was, was following him for a very, very long time um, and he, someone said to him, you know, do you feel like you, do you get angry when you see other coaches posting about, this is a really long-winded story for a really small <laughs> drink of water, but um, just, just go with it. Um, uh, he, uh, they were like, do you get frustrated when you see other coaches posting like, really bad information and he put it very simply he goes all I'm focused on is trying to deliver the best content I can to help the most people possible that's what my focus is and I when I saw that that really shifted my mentality and I stopped looking at social media as something as a way to compare myself to other people and looked at it as a business platform and it's just a way for me to get my message across and if that you know resonates with a lot of people then awesome if it doesn't then that's fine um but this book just like um reignited all of those beliefs and like like really made me um kind of refocus on on you know being grateful for all of the things that I have and I can do and trying to you know put that out into the world and that's all I can focus on and it makes you a better person and like makes you happier in the long run and you know when we stop that kind of comparison to other people uh it will really change like how you feel about yourself and about your life and it's a very good book so far so i think the lesson that we can both of us can take away from this is we like doing this podcast so we're going to keep doing it even if no one follows us or likes us (laughs) we're just going to keep doing it but it is true like you've got to realize the the reason why you're doing something and i think when the love is taken out of it or even sometimes you've got to remove yourself. So especially mm-hmm. your Instagram account is a great example. If you saw every time, you know, a post gets 10,000 likes or something, you're not going to feel any mm-hmm. different from the day that, you know, you don't get any likes. It means nothing on you as a person. But because yep. of the freaking algorithm, it mm. can affect you. And you have to remove yourself and be like, this isn't a reflection of my personality. And I think the, the Resilience nope. Project helps you to do that. Look around and see what you've got. You've still got people that love you. That Instagram account <laughs> is nothing to do with that. 
And no. Hugh, is, Hugh has a great, like, simple, actionable steps that help you see that. And so, and what I love about the second book is he's got this whole resilience project thing worked out, right? But then the second mm. book is he, him being like, sometimes I fail at it too. And yeah. sometimes I'm not okay, even though I'm yeah. the person who's preaching, you know, the All resilience project. Life. Um, yeah. Or even not to bring in another book. But I think a great example of that is Untamed by Glennon Doyle. You've read that too, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. She's awesome being like, I'm not living out these expectations. She talks about how um, she was on a book tour about her previous books, which were like, you know, how to help your marriage and whatnot. And then here she is with a failing marriage. And that's kind of like what mm. this book is. And it's how often it's so refreshing now that people are coming out and saying, hey, I know my job is to have all the answers, but I don't have all the answers. And, yeah. and we probably should put a disclaimer out with our podcast too. Like we definitely don't have all the answers. <laughs> like we're just two girls working all. it out too. So like yeah. that's why we hope that us trying to navigate and it's why sometimes like our conversations, I think like we'll go – so many different ways and we might not even come to a solution but like maybe there'll be something that you guys as our listeners hear and it helps you or it might prompt you to ask questions for yourself and that is what we're trying to do here um and even for us like I my cup is full every time I talk to you Riz but like this hour that we have every week I'm like this is the best I know I always you know leave and I'm like I feel so good about that, you know, I f- like, and it's the same thing. Like, even though, you know, we're great friends, it's like we all, and we've got, you know, however many years we weren't friends for worth of stories and things that we get to talk about. And it's like, just good to like, you know, hear your version of stuff and your story's not the same as mine. So. Yeah. And neither. And for all of our listeners as well, like their stories aren't the same either, but um, we'd love yeah. for people to reach out to us, though, continue. Like, we're going to talk about stuff we want to talk about, but we want to know what you guys want us to talk about, too. Um, yeah. And even, like, if there's someone out there who's like, I'm dying to come on the show, DM us. Like, we'll invite you here. <laughs> Mate, it's a free-for-all here. We're Abs- up for anything. Absolutely. Um, so we're going to have this system in place where we drop the episodes every Friday your time, right? Yes, which yeah, w- Friday morning, Australia. Which, uh, six months here, I'm still getting used to the time zones. Like sometimes you'll message me back and I'm like, aren't you meant to be asleep? <laughs> <laughs> but so if it's probably, fr- it's probably 4am here and, and I'm the only one away. Yeah, it's for, uh, so it'll be Friday morning, your time. But for anyone here in the US, um, on Pacific time in California or anyone else shares that same time zone, it'll be Thursday morning. So we'll get the episodes Mm. Thursday morning, Friday morning for those in Australia. Um, But Mm. yeah, make sure you, if you like what we're doing, rate our podcast uh, because that helps it be seen by more people. Um, We're on Spotify and Apple. Yep. Leave a rating, leave a review. Make sure you follow us on Instagram. At Points of Performance Podcast. Again, if you want to bully... And actually, no, I'm not going to promote that. I was going to be like, you could bully the people that have the pop podcast handle. Yeah. And like, we'll start a people's revolt to like, give it to the girls in green. <laughs> do it. <laughs> no, don't do that. We don't condone don't do bullying. That. It's like when my, yeah. um, my niece was born this year and my brother, as soon as she was born and my sister told us what the name was, he screenshotted, her name's Rowie J, and he screenshotted mm. the girl called Rowie J and he was like, who is this bitch? She needs the handle. 
And she's like literally minutes old and he was already looking out for her to be like, can she get the Instagram handle? So I need that handle. <laughs> Does someone want to DM her? But so we got the point. Oh, sorry, we've got points of performance podcast. So that's the best way to find us. Um, please, yeah, spread the word so that we can get um, a podcast out there. But if you don't like it, don't spread the word. Whatever. That's fine. But it's cool. I, I, I feel cool like too. if you're still here, though, like you must think we're a-okay. If you're listening to this. <laughs> if you got an hour and a bit in, you're keen. You're real keen. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. A closet fan. Well, I guess yeah. I'll see you this time next week. And the cool thing is I can see you. Yeah. Everyone else can hear you. So I better just say I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Eventually we'll both have a video that we can use. So that'll be good. Absolutely. So I will chat to you next week next week. Bye.